better lock your doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Hey there, Gomer. Who are you calling Gomer, Gomer? Who are you calling Goober, Goober? Well, here we go. Let's roll. What's today? Tuesday. Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the show in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Your hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent in all 82 counties around the great state of Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in. How y'all are? Welcome into the show. Hope to hear from you today. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday. You know, um, with lots of rain, it's going to come through the state tomorrow. Maybe today is the day that you can get outside, enjoy a little sunshine. Who knows? You know, to have some outdoor activity. Maybe catch a fish, hit a golf ball. I don't know. I'm just saying there are lots of options. Hope you enjoy the beautiful weather today. We're going to have bad weather tomorrow. Uh, preview that. Keep your eyes peeled tomorrow, uh, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow night. It's going to be pretty rough, or could be, they're saying. So, We'll tell you what that is coming up as well. Guests and more guests. We're going to talk to some folks today on the phone on the Divinity Equipment phone line. And we started off with you in hour one talking a little baseball. Sing along, everybody. Here we go. Yes. Why not talk a little baseball? Now, if you're a college baseball fan, which you are, let's be honest, you are. That's why you're here. You're going to have some midweek baseball. I really wish I could be in Memphis, right there across the street from the Peabody, watching Memphis and State. But are they playing at the Redbirds Park in the minor league park or a different park? I don't know. Let's talk to somebody who might know. His name is Bart, and he sounded like this back on Friday night in game one of State versus Alabama. This is what Bart sounded like right here. It's a ball well, right field, and it's closing time. Jaeger bombs for everybody. Wow. Fireworks on a Friday night in Start Vegas. What a ball game. RJ Jaeger walks it all, and the dogs win it. Seven to six. That's Bart Gregory. What did he say? Yeah, what did he say about Jaeger bombs? He's on your radio right this minute. Bart, heck of a home run call. How many text messages have you gotten about that since Friday night? Hey, hey Matt, and so you were sitting right beside me. Isn't it great that we didn't have, like, video on us? Because, like, I was, like, fist bumping and jumping all over you when it all happened. <laughs> <laughs> I did have that m- image in my head because I was sitting, like you say, next to you. And I, I fist pumped, but I didn't get up. Like, I'm too lazy to stand up in the celebration. I looked over my shoulder. You had stood up. But I halfway thought you stood up because you were going ahead in the beginning. As you finished the call, you were beginning the packing up process already. That's kind of what I thought you stood up for. Yeah, I was packing up. I was fighting off my 11-year-old son in the background who had a buddy of his who had walked up to the booth because I'd put the, the, the fear of the good Lord in him that I better not have to look for him as soon as the game was over. So he came up to the booth early. And so, yeah, it was uh, hey, a pretty good moment, man. Mm-hmm. It was uh, sure. it was a game, and little did we know on Saturday we'd have a bigger comeback. And so back-to-back walk-off winners, it was, it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, man, you talk about getting outside today. It is a beautiful day outside. Mm-hmm. And, and, Matt, you know what it is, man. The dogwoods are blooming. And what does that mean? It means the crappie are biting. And let me the tell you, and Bart, let me tell you, my friends keep sending me pictures. Now, uh, I did have one friend of mine invite me to go Sunday afternoon. I was unable to go. And so maybe, you know, I will say some friends have reached out. They're sending me pictures of crappie. I even have one listener, uh, Real C, here on the show who promises to give me some because this time of year I want to fry some crappie. Do you have any in the freezer? I do not right now. And uh, I've been looking for the right day to go, but, you know, baseball season rolls around, man, and, you know, it's just something every day, and so I just hadn't had a chance to go. Well, it's like you do. they're out there. i got a bunch of buddies. And when you do plan a trip, it's like you wake up that morning, then it's going to rain, you know. (laughs) That's also what you get this time of year. Bart Gregory on your radio. You know, we played you the Friday night highlight for the walk-off home run. Bart mentioned it. It happened again on Saturday. This is what it sounded like with Bart and Charlie Winfield on the call. Winning run at third base. Now two outs. Line drive left field. The Dawes are going to walk it off in back-to-back days as Tanner Leggett drives in the winning run and State wins it 8-7. to Well, the guy's got a knack for big hits, and he got one right there, giving the Bulldogs the SEC win and the series win. All right, so that's how it sounded on the Saturday game. So, Bart, let's, let's backtrack and look at it with you. And by the way, great call. And Bart Gregory on your radio. If you are listening and you have a question for Bart, text me on the country please and text line eight eight five ESPN. Um, so looking back on a couple of walk off wins, a really positive weekend because you win two out of three. But my question, Bart, is could and this is not trying to be negative. It's more devil's advocate than anything. Could you make the case that Alabama really outplayed State outside of a couple of innings? Well, that's the thing is, you know, State wins two out of three, but Alabama's probably closer to sweeping than the State was to sweeping Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, and that's crazy to think about it is, you know, you look back at it, yeah, hey, the, the glass half full says you won two out of three and you did something that you had to do. After losing two out of three and feeling like you had a game slip away from you last Saturday over in Athens, you felt like you had to win two out of three at least this weekend. And then, you know, you want to get a little ambitious and say, man, we should have swept. But, you know, looking back, first two weekends of the year, you're sitting here at three and three. And, you know, I told Charlie this yesterday about, I think four or five weeks from now, we're going to be looking back and say, man, we maybe should have gotten a game or two more than what we got the first two weekends. And that's, uh, you know, that's not being negative at all. You know, the, the positive is, is you had the ability to come back and collect some hits, and Alabama got deep in their bullpen. Uh, the negative is, is you had to come back against, you know, an Alabama program, an Alabama team. Yeah, they're better than they have been in years past, but this is still, you know, the, not the, the upper tier of the SEC. And so, um, you know, there's, there's so many things you're still trying to figure out right now. Sure. And, you know, this is a team that's kind of volatile and, um, they're going to play real well one day, and one day you're going to leave you scratch your head a little bit. So that's just kind of, I think that's who this team really is right now. Sure. I was trying to, you know, think about how similar this weekend for State was to last year's team in that late season weekend against Missouri, uh, how similar it, it was and how the results and how it could have gone and all. But I guess the big difference there was that team last year, by the time that Missouri series happened, 
the hay was really already in the barn kind of at that point and and the exact opposite really for this year i guess for this team still a long way to go yeah it really is and you know looking back and, and and looking at where this team was this time last year and you know we were sitting at two and four after two weekends we had just gotten swept at home by arkansas and when you start looking at the stats of this time last year, we had only one player batting over 300. Mm-hmm. And you have three players this year batting over 300. And you start looking at all the offensive numbers. I mean, this, this team this year has hit 21 more home runs right now than at this point last year. So we've hit more home runs. The batting average is better. There are more doubles. I mean, just everything you look at from an offensive standpoint now, the strikeouts are up by about 50 over this time last year. Mm. But right now, the big difference has been out of the bullpen and the pitching. This is an ERA that was under three this time last year. It's you know climbing close to five right now. And so you've had two runs per game on your ERA compared to last year to, to right now. And, hey, we've talked about this. And Landon Sims, losing Landon Sims has, has been bad. I mean, it was a, that was your Friday night guy. And so you've got to replace six innings somewhere. But I'll tell you what, Matt, and you know, you and I have talked about this too, about the loss of Stone Simmons, who was really throwing well in the pen. And he was a bounce back guy, a guy that you could use multiple times on a weekend. And, and not having him really, really hurts you a lot. And so, because that's where you're kind of searching right now is trying to figure out, you know, who's that next guy out of the bullpen. Now, if you can get Casey Hunt back healthy and, you know, Sooner or later, I think we're going to see Casey. I would not assume that he would take the, the weekend starting role like he had that first weekend. You probably see him in the bullpen because, to be honest with you, I don't think Preston Johnson, Parker Stinnett, or Kate Smith have done anything to lose their role in pitching. And you look at those past weekend, they were all three very similar. Uh, you look at Preston Johnson on Friday. He went six innings. He gave up three earned runs. You look at Kate Smith on Sunday. He went six innings. He gave up three earned runs. You look at Parker Stanett on Saturday. He went five and two-thirds. He gave up three earned runs. Mm-hmm. And so you got the same exact pitching performance out of all three guys. But we just kind of have to find a, another arm or two in the bullpen with some confidence. Well, and it's – I remember you talking once in an interview. It was a different context, but about how baseball is sequential, Bart, and how everything affects everything else. And that's really true with his pitching staff. So you go one injury at the top to your best player overall. He's going to be your highest draft pick overall. And then you go, well, it's compounded by an injury in the bullpen to Stone Simmons. But it's really compounded and multiplied because not only do you lose Simmons for the year out of the bullpen, but you lose Parker Stinnett out of the bullpen because he's moving up into a starter role. Right? And you don't – so it's – that pitching staff, it's all multiplied on them very quickly, all due to injuries on you know one particular weekend. Well, and two, I mean, if you look back to 20 years ago when we were playing, all right, and, you know, out of your starters, you're anticipating getting seven, eight innings out of your starters. Mm-hmm. And so the bullpen is not as, it's not as big. But now that issue is, is compounded so much because your starting pitching today is max effort. And so those guys are going five and six innings max out of your starters. And so it taxes your bullpen even more. And so now, uh, like you said, you know, Parker Stanett's a guy who's a max effort guy. And I think he just kind of, he fits the mold. His mentality kind of fits the mold better as a starter right now. He just hasn't had as much confidence coming out of the bullpen because there is, there are different ways that you prepare. I mean, and getting ready for a game and knowing I'm going to pitch on Saturday versus 
being in the bullpen and tossing around a little bit, and I got to get hot in ten minutes, you know. Yeah. Right. And so I think Parker's kind of taking that role better. But man, you know, you've got to have deep pins in today's world, simply become simply because everything is so max effort, and you're having to utilize your pen even more. Sure. Talking with Bart Gregory on your radio right now. You hear him on a call on the SEC Network Plus of Mississippi State baseball games. And you can hear he and Charlie Winfield on the Out of Left Field podcast. So wherever you get a podcast, search it. Search their names or Out of Left Field. You'll enjoy that, especially if you're a baseball fan. Bart, when you kind of peek across the SEC, we're two weekends deep into, into league play. And, you know, both weekends there's been some eye poppers. Uh, you know, opening weekend, A&M takes two out of three in Baton Rouge. Nobody saw that coming. And then LSU turns around and thumps Florida this weekend in Gainesville. You know, it – it's early, but what we saw from Tennessee this past week, have they made maybe the loudest statement so far, you think, in the SEC? I think they have, no doubt. I mean, they, they did a great job in the offseason, in the transfer portal, and, you know, Halverson, one of the guys you haven't even seen yet. And mm. so, I mean, they're, they're playing. I mean, they've won 15 games in a row right now, and the only loss was against Texas, and that was pretty much a, a primarily a Texas home game they played in Houston. And so, yeah, they're playing, you know, Arkansas, you look around the league right now. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt lost two out of three this past weekend. And so, I mean, against South Carolina, yeah. you know, South Carolina was played terrible against Tennessee the week before that. You look at Arkansas, who's five and one in league play right now, but man, they've really struggled at the play. They only have three guys batting over 300 right now. And so state goes to Arkansas this weekend. You look at, you know, everybody's been up and down. You know, A&M loses two out of three at home to Auburn this weekend after going to Baton Rouge and winning two out of three. I think this is going to be a year where, I mean, you look at it, you know, Tennessee, man, they've got some great arms, and they haven't had Tidwell yet or Halverson yet. Yeah. And so Tennessee's playing well. They've kind of established themselves as maybe the best team in the league. But I tell you, you just look up and down. I mean, even Missouri, who really took Arkansas on the brink this past weekend at home, uh, they they won one out of three. That's their only league win. So you look at Kentucky, they beat Georgia two out of three. I think this is just going to be a year where you're going to have a lot of 15 and 15, 14, 16, 16 and 14 teams in the league because I just think everybody's going to beat everybody up every week. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? And, and again, we it, right now it's still early. We're two weekends deep. And, you know, Bart, baseball – You've been following it your whole life. It's just such a quirky thing, you know. Because I go back to last year, Bart, that Arkansas team last year that had you know Cup on the back end of their all of their games, shutting everybody down, and they were as dominant. It seemed like a a, a regular season baseball team as you'd seen in a long time, and they they don't make it to Omaha. <laughs> you know, it's it's State who wins the national championship, and it's like teams can. Teams like Tennessee can be as dominant as they are all year long, and, and crazy things will happen in this game, and you'll look up and they won't be in Omaha. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying baseball is the one sport where the crazy stuff happens like that. Yeah, I mean, look at Arkansas. Like you said, you yeah. know, they gave up the bomb to NC State last year in their regional, and all of a sudden they're not going. You yeah. know, they, they're throwing cups in the bullpen just about every single game, and and, you know, they were a very talented team. I mean, Tennessee was a, a talented team last year. And it's just, it's, man, it's just a different, it's a different sport because, you know, in basketball and in, in football, you typically get the teams because you can just out athlete people. Mm -hmm. 
in baseball, you know, you can look at a guy and sometimes that guy throwing, you know, 82 miles an hour with, with sync with a fastball who was, you know, a walk on kid that you're sitting there going, how in the world did he end up at an SEC school? And he's the guy that shuts you down on that day. I mean, it's just, it's just completely different than anything. And two, I mean, you know, from a fan standpoint, you know, a lot of times, you know, people get all up in arms about one loss. And I know there's probably some people in, in Oxford right now that are probably up in arms about, you know, what happened this past weekend. But, I mean, I look back to last year, we lost three games to Arkansas. And at the time, you know, we knew Arkansas was the best team in the country. And you could look at it and say, okay, here's the difference in us right now and the number one team in the country. And this is where we have to fill the gap. And I think they could do the same thing in Oxford right now, saying, hey, that's the number one team in the country, and here's where we have to fill the gap to get the number, you know, to be a top-ranked team in the country. And so it's, it's a humbling game. You're going to lose games. That's the thing about it, especially in this league. You're not going to go – you know, twenty six and four in league play. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. The thing you have to do is you have to drown out the noise from the people who really don't understand that and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Because the more pressure you put on yourself in this sport, you know, the the, the farther the hole you dig. Yeah, that's right. It's like in golf, squeezing that club. You know what I mean? The tighter you squeeze it, usually the the worse you hit it. Sometimes, uh, Bart Gregory on your radio. Hey, so they are playing at AutoZone. Park tonight in Memphis. What do you think about that game? Yeah, and so it's, it's I mean, hey, this is uh, the last season for Sean Rock. He said he's retiring after the year, and of course, Coach Rock was a was a pitching coach here before taking the job at Memphis. I guess that was back in two thousand and eight. So he's been up there with fourteen, fifteen years. You got Russ McNichol up there as well. He used to be a Mississippi State assistant coach, and yeah, so there's a lot of ties right there. I just saw Coach Polk a minute ago, and he was headed out mm-hmm. being the. And so both those guys were assistants on his staff here in 2008. And, um, you yeah, know, Rock is, the, is, is what a fantastic person. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing, man. Matt, when we start talking about, you know, the lack of depth in the bullpen on the weekend and where does that transfer to, is it transfers to midweek. And then, you know, what do you do tonight and how do you do it? Because this is a big game for Memphis. This should be a big game for Mississippi State, too. I mean, you can't lose many midweek games you know your rpi is not very good right now and this is a game you can you can really ill afford to lose and we normally have a pretty good crowd up there since it's at all those on we've got a big alumni base in that area and so that's a cool ballpark man it's a good feel to it and so um it's uh it's it's a big game for for us tonight yeah i've seen that ballpark you know umpteen times from the outside bart i've never been in it and it's pitiful. It's an hour and a half from my driveway, and and I've never gone to watch the game there. I've, I halfway wish I could go up there and see it. But people rave about it. They they have. They always have said, "Hey, it's such a nice place. You ought to go." I'm sure you've seen games there, called games there. Yeah, ballpark. I mean, it's it's a really really good ballpark, and I mean, just the setting and everything that. Mm-hmm. The way the seats are, the way the concessions are. I mean, it's just not a bad seat in the place, and. Yes, right. You know, you're sitting right there. You know, yep. across from the Peabody, right in downtown Memphis. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a cool setting. They've done a nice. They really did a nice job. on it's hard to believe how old that ballpark's got now. <laughs> but man, they hit it out of the park when they when they built that thing. Yeah, pardon the pun, right? There, there was a broadcaster moment right. for you. I will. I leave for everybody. I will see. That's it, Bar. I was going to leave you with that. White Denzel texted during our interview, and it just says, "I still can't believe Bart really said Jaeger bombs for everyone." It's a, I can't either because I, that, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I can't either. I well, say, hey, and as you know, as you know, and as Charlie knows, 
there's a lot of times that I say things that thank goodness it doesn't make it to the air. <laughs> that's true, but I think that's the case for everybody. And in this case, it it's not like you know you dreamed it up. I mean, it, the whole Jaeger bomb thing became a thing on his really his first couple of home runs, you know, on the internet. Like they started it. You know, that's that's the deal. But it was a heck of a home run call uh, for sure and a heck of a moment. And we'll see if we can have some more of those. Bart, really do appreciate you, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Matt. You too. Thank you. That's Bart Gregory. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Bart Gregory. As I mentioned to you, he and Charlie Winfield have a really uh, a great baseball podcast called Out of Left Field. You can check that out, download it, become a subscriber, and listen. Uh, and they pump out a lot of episodes, especially this time of year. Uh, sometimes on Saturdays, Sundays, you know, as you go through baseball weekends and midweek stuff too, um, pr- you know, I guess wrapping up midweek action and then previewing the weekend. So <clears throat> I've enjoyed listening to it. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, so State's playing Memphis tonight. It is a six o'clock first pitch. As far as uh, radio and that kind of thing, I'll get you some details from Bill when we come back. I do see that you will be able to watch it on ESPN Plus, which is kind of the watch ESPN deal. That's at least that's saying that on the website. So if that's something you want, uh, it's saying you'll be able to watch it. So they'll play Memphis tonight. Uh, Ole Miss is at home tonight in midweek baseball. They're playing the University of North Alabama, UNA from Florence. The Lions come in there. UNA's actually got a win this year over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They may be competitive. We'll see. Then again, Ole Miss may exercise some weekend demons and score 25 runs. They're certainly capable of that. Just getting started with you on a Tuesday. Stick around. Time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Talking more great sports for you, Mississippi. Online transmission is ready, sir. All right, let's see. Duty Noble, number one. Best uh, baseball venue in the SEC. And then who's number two? Who's number two? That's a tough question. I mean, is it is it Bomb Stadium, Arkansas, or is it actually uh, the park at South Carolina, which is still relatively new? I don't know. I started thinking about that because we were talking with Bart Gregory a minute ago here on the show, and uh, we were thinking about AutoZone Park in Memphis, right there downtown where the Redbirds play. You know, minor league team affiliate of the Cardinals. Has been for years. I guess Memphis used to have the Memphis Chicks. They were associated with the Royals. That's who Bo Jackson played for before he came up with the Royals. And then it became the Memphis Redbirds. And they're Cardinals. What, double-A affiliate or triple? Triple-A? Anyway, big, nice ballpark. I'm talking about ballparks since I'd never been there. And got to thinking about State going up to Bomb Stadium at Arkansas in Fayetteville this weekend. And I've never seen a game there, but I did get to see the stadium. We walked down and looked at it this past year during football season. Um, road trip, football team played in Fayetteville. I forgot about that. That was a heck of a game. Arkansas kind of uh, 
came back, won it there at the end. You know, it was a good game. State had a chance to win on the road, but we were there at the stadium. It seemed like all day long. So we walked down the road. It's about two miles, maybe, and a dead straight line right down the sidewalk from the football stadium across one major road down to Bomb Stadium where the baseball team plays. And I always heard so much about their park and just wanted to get a look at it. So saw it from the outside and peeked through the fence, unable to enter the stadium. And I will tell you, it's a nice setting. It is um, in terms of the way it's built and the way it sits there. Any claims by Arkansas themselves or Arkansas fans of the venue itself comparing to Duty Noble is just, it just doesn't compare. But it is a really nice place, and it is much better than most of the other college ballparks out there. And bigger, too, when you get 10,000, 11,000 Razorback fans in there. It's a heck of an atmosphere. I'll tell you what it looked like. Um, when, you, when you look at it from the perspective of the outfield at Baum Stadium, you're looking back at the grandstands. It's a lot like MGM Park in Biloxi, right across the street from the casino, you know, where the double-A team for the Brewers plays down there in Biloxi. It looks a lot like that, kind of built in the same style, the open concourse, the facade on the front of the, the boxes in the stadium facing the playing surface, the same has kind of the same paint job. You know, it's very similar to that. And and truthfully, you couldn't you don't see it by looking at it on television, but when you watch the games this weekend, you might notice it. But like out beyond left field there at Bomb Stadium in Arkansas, there's wide open green spaces that goes a long way before you hit the road out there. I mean, it's a big, huge open area. So, you know, maybe one of these days they've got room, plenty of room actually, to build something in the outfield if they want it. I don't guess they have outfield seating, but I think they do maybe have some temporary stuff. Like you go out there and grill and sit out on the hill, maybe out in the outfield, but it's you're pretty good ways away from the playing service if you do that at Bond. Anyway, just kind of rambling on about it. I want you to make a list. I think you've got venue baseball venues. And we go, okay, rank the baseball venues in the SEC. Well, you really are ranking the best baseball venues around the country because all the best of them are in the SEC, aren't they? Never been to Texas, but I'm just trying to think outside of the SEC, what is there in terms of great college baseball venues? I don't know that many that compare. That that even even on reputation, um, nice ones, but nothing like what you have at the box and Swayze and at Duty Noble. So it'd be Duty Noble number one, and then number two baseball venue in the SEC. Who is it? Is it Arkansas or South Carolina? You know, I've never seen South Carolina as myself, so it's hard for me to vote on it. But just looking at it on TV, you can tell it is a cool place, especially with what they've built kind of, uh, you know, for fans in the outfield up above the the bullpens. And people who have been there, and again, this thing's a little maybe a little older than recent renovations at Baum or whatever, but people who have been there at South Carolina come back going, hey, that is a great place. So actually, South Carolina might be number two. Um, and then you go Baum or Swayze, and and look, I'm just <laughs> y'all can say what you want. It would make an Arkansas fan mad. Well, it might. There are some who really, over the last few years, have really gotten up in arms about this idea that State's got a better baseball venue. But anybody that's seen it knows what we're talking about here. 
It's just not in the same universe. But when you, I've, I've, I haven't seen Bomb Stadium on a game day. So when you fill it up with red and white Arkansas fans and Woo Pig, you know, it's bound to be impressive. And it's a beautiful place, a great venue. But look, I, I still don't know that. Even if you put South Carolina, the number two baseball venue in the SEC, and let's say we're going, okay, Arkansas is three. I don't know. Listen, there's a lot of people that are objective that are going to go, no, nah, I'm still going to go with Swayze. Still going to go with Swayze. I mean, in terms of the grandstand, like, and the facade on the backside of the stadium, the entrance to Swayze, you know, and again, in the grandstand, the way the the boxes are built, the way the two levels are built. Now, it's not an open concourse. The concourse at Swayze is still kind of the older style where you walk back into the tunnel and back out into the concourse. You can't see the field from the concourse. You have to walk up into the stadium. So it's still a little bit more of the traditional old school than the open concourse, and someday they may go to that. But, I mean, Swayze, with what they – the size crowds they have – the uh, atmosphere they have, this you know, with the students in right field, and I know we're talking about venues, but the way it flows and the way you seat people has a lot to do with it. I guess all I'm saying is, if you were to say, okay, South Carolina's place is number two in the SEC, and hold on, LSU fans, I'm getting to you too. Let's just say you were to say that. Don't you don't you sit there and debate? whether Bomb Stadium in Arkansas or Swayze at Ole Miss is number three. I think you do debate it. You know, again, seating is much different at Bomb. The size crowds you have are similar. But to me, it's just better if the way the thing is built, it includes crowds in the outfield. And they kind of have something unique in left field, fans that are Kind of feels like an open concourse, like a minor league ball, nice minor league ballpark field down the the foul lines and both foul lines in Oxford. I might actually put it ahead. So states one, South Carolina's two. I'd have Swayze three, Arkansas four, and then Box, the new Alex Box, and it's still older than some of those others we just mentioned. You'd have them at five. That's your top five, and then you go what? Okay, if that's your top five in the SEC, then what else? You know, I, at number six, you pro, I would probably try to debate it's either Texas A&M or Florida. You got Bluebell Park at Texas A&M and whatever the park is there at Florida that's new. And this past weekend, Florida, in this new ballpark they've built, which is really, really a nice place, it's smaller, but it's nice. And they put like 8,000 people in there. And they've got some big grass berms for people to sit on and stuff too. Biggest crowd they may, I think, have ever had for a, a home baseball game at Florida. 8,000-something people there. Um, I'm telling you, college baseball fandom is fixing to take off. I really, really mean that, y'all. Now, Mississippi's always going to be out in front. They are. We are. But I'm saying other teams, other schools, baseball, college baseball fandom is fixing to take off. You may not recognize it in five years. I'd probably go Florida's place six and Texas A&M a close number seven. That's absolutely your top half of the SEC in terms of baseball venues. And then it's just the last seven is just a hodgepodge of everybody's kind of the same. They're pretty nice. Some are newer than others, but they're all just, you know, they're pretty average college ballparks. 
Tennessee and Knoxville. Vandy's place is kind of it's different. It ain't bad, you know. It's not huge. Georgia's place in Athens. Kentucky's got a new ballpark, but you know Missouri. Now, now Alabama's place in Tuscaloosa, it's bigger, nicer than I think you realize. But still, there's something very I don't know bland and just you know generic about it. It's it's big. It's very nice. Auburn's is a re- Auburn is a really cool place. Plainsman Park, whatever they call it, is right next to the football stadium in the smack middle of their campus. A beautiful place, but it, it doesn't necessarily dis- – it's got the wall out and left, which is unique. you got to give it that, and their crowds do a good job when they're good. Um, but I think there's no question that State's facility and, and uh, park is number one. It's really number one in all of college baseball, period. And then you might go South Carolina, then you go Swayze, then you go Arkansas, then you go the box. That's top five. Florida and Texas A&M in the top half of your league. And then bottom half of the SEC, they're all nice, pretty nice. Some bigger than others, but they're all just kind of there. And as the crowds grow and the sport gains popularity, which it is and it will continue, I think more and more people are going to pour money into their baseball facilities. We'll see that happen over the next decade also. All right, I'll get some of your texts on the Country Pleasing text line. Whatever y'all want to get into today, hit me up. I'm Matt in the Bureau. Stick around. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Now back to the Matt Wyatt Show. All right, back with you. Glad to be with you on this Tuesday. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Next Gen Reb texted the show and said, uh, the venue doesn't compare, but BYU has an unbeatable view. Yes, they do. I saw that picture recently floating around on Facebook, Next Gen, uh, that was taken from the grandstands at the BYU baseball field. And, you know, out beyond, you can see that mountain range out there, the same one that's sort of the backdrop for their football stadium in Provo, Utah was able to go out there and see it for the first time in my life several years ago. And it is, man, it is just gorgeous. Just gorgeous out there. Absolutely gorgeous. And then you go, would you want to live there? I don't know. kind of like it here. I like heat, humidity, largemouth bass that grow big because of that heat. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. But it is gorgeous out there for sure. High altitude. You want to text me, you can on the country pleasing text line. It's 885 ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885 ESPN or 885-3776. Uh, and Next Gen Reb also sent me this. He said, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but the state of Mississippi is number three, number four, number 11 so far this season in attendance. And the weather hasn't been ideal. So the chart that he sent me, here we go. It's the top attendances no average that's what it is so total it up and then the average for your home games uh lsu is number one this year in averaging over ten thousand. arkansas is number two averaging over ten thousand at their games boy and they really had bad you know cold weather if they're still averaging over ten thousand at their games at bomb states number three averaging over nine thousand nine hundred Ole Miss, number four, averaging over 9,800. And then uh, Southern Miss is at number 11 and talks about, you know, this weekend, if they they have a big weekend at home and maybe some good weather and 
they'll start to creep up there too in terms of average uh, attendance. You know, and it, it is true. The state had a game this past weekend that really helped their average. State had a game they had over fourteen thousand people in there. I think that was Saturday, and that was against Alabama. It's like you know, it's not Ole Miss in there. Of course, it was opening weekend at home for SEC plays. Big deal. And you knew they were going to have some good crowds this year. But you're right. Uh, nobody supports college baseball like we do here. Uh, just nobody does. All right, let's head over to the phone line, Divini Equipment phone. Coach Shanks on line one. Coach, good to hear from you. What's up? Matt, how are you doing? Just right. Thanks for calling. Well, uh, I'm, I'm right now. We get ready to get on the bus and go play a baseball game. But I have played in just about every SEC stadium. Yep. And yeah. there are different aspects of it that I, I think you're, I think Duty Noble's is far and away, everything's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't tell the LSU people anything. But one thing LSU does have is they've got the, the nicer inside for the athlete uh. of anybody except, except Duty Noble's. I mean, it's like the New York Yankees Major League dressing room. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it, there is nothing that they could spend more money on, the dressing rooms or meeting rooms. Uh, the way they access the batting cages, no, that's nice. The setting at Ole Miss is as good as anybody, mm-hmm. but the second best stadium is Arkansas, and it's not. It's it's so much better than South Carolina. I mean, they're okay, not, they're not ball game. Okay, I'll take uh, your word for. It. I've never been to South Carolina. I've only heard people talk about it. I mean, it's very nice. And when they built it, I'm not sure it wasn't the best one. But uh, now LSU, of course, they think they've got the best one, but they're like third or fourth. They want to get to everything. Okay, but they do have a. Hell of an atmosphere. It's very nice, nice there. And you and know, you got, you I know, really want to go to one at LSU someday. I'm just going to get up and drive down there just to say I've done it. Hadn't seen one yet, but I want to go. Well, they're they're a fun group of folks, they're, mm. and they're baseball fans now. Uh, and having been thrown out there twice, I can tell you that they get real excited. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Tennessee, terrible. Mm. Uh, uh, Missouri, terrible. Missouri and, and Vanderbilt are about the same, really. They just, you know, Vanderbilt's got a little bit better location, but they're just, you know, they're very similar to Southern Miss than what they put up. Okay. Uh, Auburn and Georgia are the same stadium. I don't know who built them. It had to be the same people designed them. And they're like Old Miss used to be before they did their renovation. Okay. With a real high area in front of the press box. But they're, they're about the same. Okay. But, boy, it is. It's growing. It's going to be big stuff. Enjoy your show, buddy. Hey, thanks so much. Good luck today in the ballgame, Coach. Appreciate you calling. Thank okay. you. Take care. You too. Always good to hear from Coach Shanks. He's played and, and uh, coached in these ballparks. So he, he he unequivocally has Arkansas ahead of South Carolina um, in the ballpark category. Yeah, and I've never been to box. never seen a game. I definitely want to jump in a car and just go one of these days. Always good to hear from Coach. That's another thing we don't think about as fans, isn't it? And that is what's under the stadium for the teams. Players and coaches get a different perspective on that than we do. Hey, uh, coming up in Hour 2, we'll talk a little spring football. Uh, Steve Robertson's going to stop by. We'll talk about it from a state perspective. And there's plenty to get into, including this. I want you to know this. Um, if you listen to my show, let's just say you're a big fan of the show, and I'm the only one you listen to. See, I have to think about that. There, that may be the possibility for one or two people. Um, you need to be educated on this because uh, I think this is going to hang around. You're going to hear more about it. Maybe it passes and therefore has an effect. So listen. According to Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, there's a little news popping out there today. 
Two U.S. senators are introducing a bill to overhaul NCAA infractions processes. This bill, this is, you know, U.S. senators, this bill creates deadlines for the NCAA to streamline its investigations. It also authorizes the Department of Justice to fine the NCAA, fine them, up to $15 million and remove their board of governors, the members of the board of governors, and they say, if they don't meet the deadlines. <laughs> Let's go some more. Also in this bill that is being introduced by two U.S. senators, it requires NCAA investigators to be, uh, I'm sorry, investigations, NCAA investigations to be complete in eight months. It prohibits the NCAA from punishing schools for violations that happened over two years prior. Two years. Two years, in other words, is the statute of limitations. If you can get away with it for two years, you got away with it, according to this bill. It prohibits the NCAA from using, quote, confidential sources for their decisions. Confidential sources. And it requires the NCAA to submit annual reports to the U.S. Attorney General. <laughs> Man. Hey, NCAA, if you're going to be doing investigations for rules breaking on these schools that are, quote, unquote, member institutions, you better get with it. Get on it. Hurry up. Now, I want to read you the folks over at College Football Nerds. They're some good guys. They love college football. I don't always agree with them. They don't always agree with me, but a lot of times we do agree. And they commented on this, and I'm under the impression, you know, we don't have to comment on everything, but I'm glad they commented on this because I want to read you what they said about it. They said this is a bad idea. It says, with name, image, and likeness, Florida said, the state of Florida said, for instance, quote, change your rules by July the 1st or they are illegal. The NCAA couldn't agree to anything, and they dropped all the rules entirely. It's true. Likewise, they say, this bill won't make NCAA investigations better. It'll just make the NCAA really unlikely to investigate anybody. That is so true. And finally this, the NCAA, which is mostly driven by small schools that don't care about the effects on big-time sports, has no incentive to enforce rules if it risks liability on their own end. Rather than tightening things up, this bill is just going to lead to rampant cheating without any enforcement whatsoever. It is absolutely true. I just want to raise one question. Have you ever over the years seen the totals in revenue that the NCAA itself, the governing body in Indianapolis, made up of member institutions who agree to be members, the kind of money they make, the millions of dollars they pay the commissioner of the NCAA, the millions and billions of dollars they've made on the NCAA basketball tournament, all that money. Let me ask you one simple question. They've been around for decades and decades and decades, and we're sitting here now. It's 2022, and all you know what breaking loose in college sports, but I want to know something. All these years, all these millions and billions, why has the NCAA 
never spent that money on a robust staff. A large staff to handle enforcement of rules. A large nationwide staff of people who monitor and help them enforce and investigate. Do you know why? They've never spent the money to do that? How could they possibly have so many millions and sometimes even billions of dollars stacked away in the bank and have such a small staff that everybody with half a brain and one eyeball could see and understand that they would never be able to investigate everything that needed investigating and enforce everything that needed enforcing. Isn't that curious to you? Yeah. So they're going to put forth a bill and maybe pass it that puts the screws to the NCAA to get investigations done quickly and efficiently. Or there's a financial, a huge financial penalty and people getting fired. Guess what they're going to do? Investigate nothing. Hour two coming up right after this.